Highway Podcast in Denver after the Wizards get, I don't know, probably their, not that it means anything, but their best road game, best win of the season. They get their 10th road win of the year. They beat the really good Nuggets, 95-90. Nicole Jokic was not around to see the final result. Did not join us for the end. And he did not, uh, but joining us anyway. By the way, I'm Fred Katz. I'm the host of Wizards After Dark, and I cover the Wizards for The Athletic, and joining us is the esteemed Matt Moore of the Action Network. Esteemed, that's the first time. That's the first. That's the only time that one's ever been Fine. used on the, me. Uh, the generally the, well-respected. The nefarious. <laughs> the, infa- yeah. the infamous. It's like the that infamous. scene from Three Migas. The infamous. That, that guy from Twitter. Yeah, that guy from Twitter is more appropriate. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to talk big picture stuff, but before we do, I just want to... I want to hit on Troy Brown a little bit. Yeah. Because... Troy had a team-leading 24 tonight. This is a true hallway pod. You want to just walk down the hallway yeah. as we continue potting because yeah, it's kind of loud? Be exactly. We're here in the arena right now, and people are closing up. And if you frequently listen to this podcast, you know that hallway podcasts have wonderful audio. Uh, Troy Brown had a team-leading 24 points tonight. A career-high 24 points. He went 5 for 6 from 3, 5 for 7 from 3, which is not a thing he normally does. Uh, you know, The biggest knock on him right now is his shooting. But the last two games now, he was great in the fourth quarter against Utah the other night. He had 15, which was at the time a career high. He's now at career highs in two straight games. He just looks more comfortable. Mm -hmm. He's not quite as reactionary. And something I talked about in my last episode of the podcast was the first time they played Utah was his worst defensive game of the season. He just like, because Utah has this very difficult offense to defend with the type of screens they set and all these little wrinkles they mm-hmm. have to like similar looking plays. And he was just going in the wrong way all the time. And the second time they played, it's not like he excelled defensively, but he shored up a lot of those mistakes. And he watches a lot of film and he works very hard. But it's very encouraging when you see a rookie do that. Second time he plays Denver, he seems like he's so much more comfortable. And Scott Brooks ran it for 43 minutes tonight. Like he's getting minutes now. And he's he's producing a little bit. Yeah, I think I was impressed tonight actually with how much ball movement. Like they really trusted one another tonight, and it was nice because it was like nobody was having to force things. Nobody was having to try and like generate stuff on their own. Nobody was having to like force up it, put people in bad positions. And I thought that he benefited a lot from that. Where it was like, no, just make the right play, keep moving the ball, and against this Denver defense, you're going to find an opening and knock down some really good looks. Like you know, I was just noticing like how I was like, wow, the Wizards just have like a lot of athletes. Like, they just like they're another like super athletic team in like the NBA. There's a lot of those, but they really stood out. I was like they have like guys that can run and shoot and like all. Of of these things. It was just another night where I just continued to be like, how are they this bad? Like, they have so many, like, gifted guys, even after the trade deadline. Like, a lot of really talented dudes. But yeah, I think I think Brown, he definitely, from the beginning of the, like, the, beginning of the season, I just thought that he looked, he was so hesitant on so many things. And for him, to, I think, to have come this far, like, that's really promising. That's what you want to see, right? So this might be my Stockholm Syndrome talking. Because yeah. I have to watch every single Wizards game, sure. and then rewatch film on every single Wizards, Wizards game, game, and then and then study Troy Brown's pick and roll plays to see if stuff that I'm seeing is actually correct, and all those sorts of things. So this might be beat writer Stockholm syndrome. But the last seven weeks or so, the Wizards I'm not saying they're really good. The Wizards are fun. Yeah, like they are. like at the beginning of the year they were bad, and they were a chore to watch. Miserable. Yeah, they they weren't happy. The culture was all messed up. Uh, they, you know, a lot of it was just kind of John Wall walk the ball down and then John Wall create. Uh, they, they were get, everybody was getting teased all the time. Mm-hmm. They weren't fun to watch and they were bad. This team's not good because they don't defend. 
That's why. Yeah. Uh, but since they the all since since the trade deadline they when they good. made the Portis and, and Parker trade, they're a top seven offense. Yeah. They're and tonight like the shots didn't really fall. Right. And they benefited from a ten point third quarter from Denver. Yeah. But like they're fun. They they have fun bench celebrations and Jabari Parker dunks on a different dude every game. Right, he, yeah. he he had a great one tonight. He got Gobert in the last game. You know, they're fun. Yeah. Like they 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 play this really fast brand of basketball. Every single game is in the one twenties for both both teams. It seems like until tonight. Um, yeah, they're enjoyable to watch. But the key for them is like. How many times have the Wizards been in the spot where their thing's going to hell, and then they're like, oh, this seems kind of fun, and then they invest in it, and that's when things go disastrously. Like, Yes. Well, what's the crazy Wizards thing, which I wrote in my story yesterday, which is something I do want to talk about with you in this podcast, uh, is they have two current rotation players who are under contract for next year. Oh, wow. And yet they have no consequential cap room. That, that shouldn't be possible. Yeah. Like there are only two rotation players, guys currently in the rotation who are under contract for next year, Troy Brown and Bradley Beal, and that's it. Everybody else is an upcoming free agent, even if you consider Jeff Green as part of the rotation and Trevor Ariza as part of the rotation. Those guys are upcoming free agents. I mean, everybody else, Thomas Bryant and Sam Decker and Wes Johnson. Aren't some of those Johnson player options, though? Aren't some of them players? Jabari's a team option, mm. and that's it. Dwight's a player option. Yeah. Dwight's a player option. So Dwight will be around, but he's not in the rotation. Yeah. Um, so everybody else, everybody else, is, and, and they're not going to have the cap room. If if Sadoransky's and, assuming Dwight picks up the player option, if Sadoransky and and uh, and Thomas Bryant, if they just don't renounce those guys, mm-hmm. they're going to be less than the mid-level exception under the cap, which means it's beneficial for them to stay over the cap so they can right. at least have the middle of the exception, which means that they're not going to have cap room unless they renounce those guys, What's which funny? isn't going to happen. I did a thing on action um, where I broke down like what Zion Williamson looks like with every single team in the lottery. Like I was like, how does this look? And I was actually like, there are worse things that could, I think everyone would be like, no, not the Wizards, but like, I just kept thinking, I was like, well, you'd have Bradley Beal, and you're like, yeah, they have no cap room this summer, but like the year after... That's when things start to come off the books. So it's like if you have if you have Beal and you get him back on the extension, and you you know you have him and, and Zion as a core and like whoever you want to pick from this little group, um, and kind of like transition them forward, then you might like start to clear cap space just as like before Zion hits his extension, and then you just have to figure basically then you just have to figure out the John thing, and then like that's the only thing that you have to figure out, and who knows how that's going to work out. Like John comes back, beats the odds, comes back stronger than ever. Now it's all of a sudden it's like, all right, you got John Wall, whatever thing he's at. You got Bradley Beal in his prime, and you got Zion Williamson. Like that's not that's you you could do something with that. The question is like everyone would be like, yeah, but it's the Wizards, and so there's like there's doubt of like their future ability to translate that into actually like a model, a success, a plan. Yeah. So one thing that I was talking about this with my editor recently, which is. God, the lottery can just, for so many teams, the lottery, and the Wizards are one of them, they can turn things, if you just get lucky in the lottery, they can turn things from doom and gloom to, hey, they're not, they're in an okay position so quickly. Yeah. Like, let's say the Wizards get sixth best lottery positioning, which is totally realistic. By the way, nobody wants sixth best lottery positioning because the Hawks won today, the Mavs beat the Thunder today, the Hawks beat the Bucks. Yeah. Like, the, nobody wants home court in the West either. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, no one's doing what what, what they should be doing. The Wizards win. March basketball. Stupid. All of these teams are beating playoff teams. Yeah. Like, like Denver beat beat the Thunder or uh, 
the, the Wizards beat Denver and, and Dallas beat the Thunder and the Bucks lost to the Hawks who are playing well. The I Hawks are on fire now. That's like a side note. Is like I've been saying this is like you know last year was miserable and all the records were a little bit inflated for everybody at the top because the tanking teams tanked so hard. Like I've never seen teams tank as hard as they tanked last year and the tank is like not nearly as bad this year. Like most of these teams have been competitive and like. You know, I work at action. Like the against the spread records reflect that. Like most of these young bad teams have great records since the All Star break, since the trade deadline. Like they're covering games. They've been competitive. Like the Mavericks are. Like there's nothing there. Like they're desperately trying to lose, and they're still somehow flying. Like, I, and I think some of that's also like the vulnerability of the teams at the top. Like we have, like we're not. We don't have parity because the Warriors. But we have like something like close to parity, which I think is really interesting late in the season. Yeah, it is. And I think part of it is like honestly. I don't know if this is true for every organization. But, like, the Hawks, for example, with the new tanking rules, the Hawks are like, whatever, it's fine if we're fifth. Yeah. It's a four percentage point difference. Mm-hmm. That's really not going to make that much of a difference. Right. It's not worth suppressing Trey Young and John Collins and all these other good young pieces, and they're a good organization. Right. All these good young pieces, it's not worth suppressing those guys and making the situation worse for them for four percentage points right. at the first pick, um, which means that at least in that situation, it's working, you yeah. know? Like, they, what the NBA wants is working. The Hawks are late in the season. They're trying to win. Trying. Trey's playing out of his mind. He's going to get rid of the Wizards. They played really hard. Like, you know, there's going to be a lot There's going to be a lot of conversation about the Nuggets shooting, which has been terrible. Uh, they scored 10 points in that third quarter, but some of that was defense. Like, they were interrupting passes. They were, like, they, turn, they, they turned the, the Nuggets over a bunch just by doing weak side, you know, uh, deflections off of the post. Like, they've, the, the Wizards played hard, and to me that was like that was a really impressive turn for them. To it's just really crazy to see them where they were at the beginning of the season, to see the team that's so much less talented, but see them busting their ass as hard as they are. And like they don't play defense, but to me, so much of their defensive stuff isn't just like lackadaisical stuff. It's just like they don't know what they're doing. Right? Yeah, they just, for sure. They have like, no Tom, idea what they're doing. Thomas Bryant defends like a twenty-one-year-old big man. Yeah, he plays really hard. He plays on really hard. Yeah, Thomas Bryant. It's so funny because Wizards Wizards fans love Thomas Bryant because he's just so enthusiastic. Yeah. Every time he dunks, he's pumping his chest and pumping his fist and doing the raise of the roof thing. That's the that's he's, the writer word for it. Passionate. Yeah. He's very he's extremely passionate. But I'll tell you what, so the last two game last two days now, or two games, they played Utah, post game in Utah. The the uh, Duke game is on in the locker room. It's that great game where Duke wins on the missed tip end. And Thomas Bryant does that when he watches games. Thomas wow. Bryant is going nuts, running around locker room, back and forth like he's like doing suicides, running back and forth, just be freaking out over the miss the miss tip. And he's scream and he's just screaming incoherent stuff. Today, Duke game is on the locker room again pregame. Another extremely close game. They end up losing, and he's flipping about the Duke game. So apparently Thomas Bryant is just like this every time. He he doesn't even need to be participating in the basketball. It is genuinely hilarious. Like, his enthusiasm during any sort of basketball game is genuinely hilarious. I wasn't even watching the Duke game. I was just watching Thomas Bryant, waiting for him to jump up and start screaming. We need need a Thomas Bryant cam. That's what we need is a Thomas Bryant cam. Yes. It, It reminds me of... If you're a listener and you haven't seen this, you should you should look this video up. It's on it's on YouTube. Rajon Rondo, this was went back when he was on the Celtics. I remember this. 
You know, like I say, yeah. like years years ago, this is back when he and KG were on the Celtics, and he was shooting some media day promo. And off to the side, you can hear, this is like, you know, an outtake clip, you can hear Kevin Garnett just screaming, obviously for some other promo too, and it ruins whatever the heck kind of interview Rondo was trying to do. And he just breaks and goes, it's media day, man. How does he have this energy? It's How? media yeah. day. Like, <laughs> it reminds, it reminds, that's my, that's my hot Thomas, Thomas Bryant reminds KG. me of KG. He's, he's, yeah, KG. he's, he's, like, he's like a young KG. Yeah, he reminds me of Kevin Garnett. Same guy, really. He does. He's just, uh, and and in a lot of other personality ways, they couldn't be more different because Thomas Bryant is like, I would say with KG, it was intensity. Yeah. And with Thomas Bryant, it's enthusiasm. Joy. Yeah, it's enthusiasm. But, man, it's it's funny. It's I mean, and that's what you want. I, I, I think that's what you want. It's just, it's too bad that they, they just lost. You know what's funny, though? Is what killed them was that West Coast road trip that they went on earlier, where like that, that like that really kind of ended their season. And it's just funny because like all of the East teams have gone on this West Coast road trip, and all of them have fallen into ninth or tenth or wherever. Like that's just been the pattern of like like Charlotte right now. Charlotte's season is effectively over because they lost to whoever they, they lost. Well, they lost to the Lakers. Um, which was a predictable loss because that's like who the Hornets have been. They lost to the Warriors tonight because the Warriors are the Warriors, and they have a back-to-back tomorrow versus Utah. Like that's it. That's their season, and it's like it just tells you like how the schedule is. Like if you have to go through this West Coast road trip, like that's it. It's just a bummer because like this Wizards team was actually one that for a while I was kind of like, yeah, it might be a little, it might be a little bit interesting. Like, this looks not good at but like, oh. voice. Let's see how Bradley Beal does versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, you know, you could just see, like, oh my God, Beal's got four, you know, Beal's got forty-two, and the Wizards are within four in the fourth. Like, that would have been really fun. And instead, it just feels like, hey, this is kind of fun, but yeah. And so the the question I have is like, all right, so now what? Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the but yeah, now what? Uh, so I had a story yesterday. Uh, basically, not basically. Uh, you can go on the Athletic, by the way. If you subscribe to the Athletic, download the app, which I have, and it's fantastic. I'm a long time, as a long time Athletic subscriber, I can tell you that you're going to get your bang for your buck. It's actually, I really like the app um, because it it gives you like it's done a much better job since its first inception of. It now tells you like it, it gives you the story that you're going to want to read, and like you're never going to run out of stuff on the athletic that you want to read, especially because it's tailored to whatever your tastes are. So if you're just like, I just want the DC stuff, then like you're going to get that, and you're not going to run out of content. And if you're like at the DMV and you're like, I don't want to be here, the best thing to do is just pull out the athletic app and be like, okay. And then like all of a sudden you're like, oh wait, my number's up, cool. I didn't even pay you to say that. I didn't. Now, hey, I was a subscriber long now, before I started working here. Now, the first thing you should do is you download the Action Network app because <laughs> it's the fastest way to track all of sports and sports betting in PFS. Like hey, Action Network's great, um, but also what's great is the athletic. <laughs> so let's talk about my story. Uh, so I had a story up yesterday uh, on the athletic just about what Ted Leonsis said to reporters about two and a half months ago in that same press conference when he famously said, quote, we will never, ever tank. He also had some stuff hinting at if you don't, if you fail to meet your goals, then you have to reconsider what you're doing. You have to reconsider your approach. And he used the word reconsider. And when I followed up and I asked him, what do you, what's your definition of failure, or what do you consider failure? I forget how I phrased it exactly. He responded, not making the playoffs or losing in the first round. They are eliminated from the playoffs. That's why I decided to write this now, because they're now officially mathematically eliminated. Uh, I also reported in that story that Leonsis has been sniffing around 
search firms for front office consultation on front office decisions. Ernie Grunfeld's been in place for 16 years, uh, and this is just this is going to be a really important summer for the Wizards. I mean, a potentially franchise-altering summer for the Wizards between Bradley Beal's potential All-NBA uh, situation. If he makes All-NBA, he's going to be eligible for a Supermax extension this summer, which would you know, commit them to Beal and Wall. They'd be the only two in the league with two Supermax guys uh, before their 10th year, obviously. Um, that might change this summer as well, but at least for now, it's possible they could be the only guy team in the league with two Supermax guys. Um, and then there's the whole decision with, with the front office. And I am... I'm just waiting to see how that's going to go because it could just, both these things could just be a completely franchise-altering course for them. Yeah, I, I wonder about the front office consultation thing, and I wonder if that might be the way for him to get it because like, he's just been so admirably, in my opinion at times, loyal to that front office. Like, to if you want to say it's to their detriment, like, in in context, yeah, because I think there's just like a lot of times where it's like, man, you probably could have made bigger jumps if you'd gone in a different direction. If you'd just been like, look, we have the talent, but we got to get some better leadership in in order to make big jumps. Um, but at the same time, like, there's just this league is made up a lot of times of people that wind up being a scapegoat. So it's kind of cool to see somebody that's just like, no, I really believe in this person, and I have a relationship with them, and I, and I trust them. Which I know that like no Wizards fan wants to hear that. Like zero Wizards fans want to hear that, and I totally understand that. Um, I wonder about the front office consultation is like that being a way out where you basically you just like enlarge the structure, right? Like you make it into like, the Clippers did this essentially, right? Like Lawrence Frank is brought on board and then like Jerry West is brought on board. And now it's like it goes from being like a traditional Michael Winner. Like, yeah, like a, instead of like a traditional hierarchy, it's now like an expansive. It's more of like a cloud of like people that help make a decision. And the Warriors like did this, you know, from the get go. And that's largely what I think their front office or their ownership group credits for their success rather than Steph Curry's ankle folding up. But, like, I think that's an interesting idea of, like, do you just enlarge this? Because there are people in the in the Wizards front office, I think, that have a lot of esteem and credibility around the league that are highly thought of. Um, and instead, like, you know, if you just enlarge a structure and it's like, oh, somebody else is kind of guiding things, and maybe that's, like, the way to get out of it. But, you know, honestly, at this point, 16 years, like, I gotta, I have to see change before I believe it. Like that's the thing. It's like I have to see. Like I have to actually see like a, a clear decision made that changes who makes those calls before I think that that's actually going to happen. Right. No, for sure. And and one of the things, and this is not necessarily just a Grunfeld thing. Um, something that's really interesting about the Wizards front office. They have one of the smallest front offices in the league. Yeah. Small scouting department. Mm-hmm. I heard that. Small analytics department. They have a really just just number of people who work in their front office. You compare them to the average team in the league, and there are just fewer than them, fewer of them. So even if you just expand the front office, whether it's people at the top, people at the bottom, uh, I think that's a way to catch up to the rest of the league. Expand the analytics department. Yeah. Expand the scouting department. Like those, those are ways to gain advantages. They, they work very um, top-down. Yeah. You know, they work very like it's 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 Ernie and Tommy Shepard, who's right below Ernie, and those guys do much of the stuff. And I think part of that is because there just aren't that many. Part of that is that I mean Ernie has been a president or a GM for three decades. He took over with the Knicks in like '91, I think. Like it's been almost 30 years. He has had an unbelievably long career doing this, and so Ernie kind of runs it with him at the top, right? And there are other people top down. 
and and I wonder if a change would just uh, would just be no matter what happens at the top, enlarging the kind of foundations mm-hmm. of the front office, bringing in some more analytics people, bringing in some more scouts, other things like that, and then seeing how you operate from there because you just have a firmer base, you know? Yeah, and that can work. I mean, there's, there are there are counterexamples, right? Like Jason Levy when he joined the Grizzlies and, like, that blew up in lots of ways. But there's, like, there is the, also the fear of like, there being too many, uh, too many cooks in the kitchen. Like, I think the Knicks, like, this is, like, something that I don't think most people realize is like how many cooks have been in that Knicks kitchen like that's one of the reasons that they're leaky despite their PR department being an iron curtain right is like there's just like a lot of people that are involved in the organization so there's downsides I think to it um, when you get competing um, priorities and ambitions but I also think that like there's a possibility I, I always think back to um, Del Dumps used to work as the GM of the uh, G League team with San Antonio and I asked him kind of like how they work and I asked Quinn Snyder who was a coach of the G League team at that time same thing and he was like they both said the same thing which is like Pop wants you in the room and he wants you to say what you think and he wants you to disagree he wants a bunch of smart people that care disagreeing with each other and hashing it out and at the end of the day Greg Popovich is going to make the call because that's what Greg Popovich does but like that's like the way you approach it and maybe like that's I think we're seeing a lot more that that's the best I mean businesses have shown that too there's just a lot of successful businesses that have shown that like you want a bunch of smart people in a room um, versus like one guy kind of like dictating things down so I do think that there's value I think in, in that approach the question is going to be like can they get the right people um, and is it going to be real meaningful change in the direction of the, of the process like how does that work how does that look um, and then the other thing is just like is and this is one that I have no idea and you're gonna know like I have no idea where how Ernie Grunfeld feels about that I don't know if Ernie Grunfeld is in a position where he's like yeah no I'm open to like clearly we need some better like because I would be like I was about like how I would be and I would be like well okay <laughs> obviously this hasn't gone great I can use some help you know and like I'm totally open to to being there and still providing insight and being a voice in the room but not necessarily being the guy and I think that's like an interesting thing to kind of wonder is like where's Ernie at in his career about how what kind of approach does he want in the front office yeah and I I also think something else I mean when you talk about reconsiderations with the front office or reconsiderations with the organization as a whole I think a lot of people pin it like it's just Ernie Mm -hmm. and you see dumps a second round pick Mm -hmm. to dump Jason Smith gives away it turns down the opportunity for a second round pick when the first Ariza trade falls apart because of the Brooks stuff I've right. mentioned this so many times because it irks me uh, you know they they don't value second round picks at all and so in the Ariza trade the original configuration of the trade before it got Brooks was they were giving up Ariza and Austin Rivers mm-hmm. and they were or they were giving up uh, Ubre and Austin Rivers and they were getting back Ariza basically a fake second rounder from Memphis and an unprotected second rounder from Memphis which is a good pick like that's a good mm-hmm. second rounder Memphis is going to be bad for a long time when that trade fell apart they redid the deal with just Phoenix and they did it they gave up the same package, Ubre and Rivers, and they got back just Ariza without the second rounder, which is an admission. They did it like 20 hours later or whatever. It's an admission that you did not get for a reason. It's a mission of one of two things. Number one, you didn't get what you, as much as you could have for those guys that you gave yeah. up because you literally were getting them for more the day before. Yeah. So you didn't get as much as you could have. Mm-hmm. Or you find second round picks so inconsequential that not getting the unprotected yeah. Memphis second rounder 
didn't even sway you in holding out to get something else. Right. Uh, and those sorts of things, the everyday stuff, I think you, if you disagree, if you agree with my point on that, you can be like, okay, you can disagree with those particular moves. But the general philosophy, uh, the we have to make the playoffs, make the playoffs at all costs, compromise the future, I don't think that's just earning. I think that's a culture set down from ownership, too. Yeah. And Ted, Ted openly has talked about it. You know, our goal is to make the playoffs first and foremost. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I, think, I think one of the things that, that the, I think the best, the best fair argument to be made is not, like, I've seen arguments of, like, they try to rush this thing. I'm like, no. Like, like, how many times have you seen teams, we, we did the same criticism of the, the Pelicans with Anthony Davis, but, like, they tried to rush it. It's like, look, when you have a special talent and you want to try and compete with them, like, you want to try and prove, like, you can win here. You want to win here because otherwise, you know, does Devin Booker think he can win in Phoenix? No. He's not an extension because it's a lot of money and he's guaranteed, and that's what kids do on the rookie deals. But does he believe he can win there? No, because, like, they're <laughs> they're doing the slow route, and it's going badly because they miss – because you have to miss – you have to hit everything. People get sure, like, oh, no, we know that we're going to be, like, baseline good because we got good players. It's like you can try and improve from there. Um so yeah, like I think the, the, I think if you're gonna make an argument is that the approach to how do you get better faster was the one that kind of failed. Is that instead of going for like veterans that were risk prone, which they did a lot, um, like even with Marky Morris, I think was like that was like a risk proposition that they took on. Um, instead, of they, they never went for like upside guys. They didn't target like we think this guy can be better with us. Like that's what you want to do. It's like this guy's on a low level contract that doesn't cost a lot, and we think he can be good. He's not good there, but we think he can be good with us like that's what you're basically trying to find because that keeps your cap flexibility and improves the quality of your team and those misses in that capacity while giving up all and like picks are essentially the easiest way to get that right is like picks are the way to get that but if you don't want to use the picks which i don't even mind if you want to try to do an upgrade but you need to use those picks more wisely in terms of trying to acquire that kind of talent i think that's maybe where they missed rather than the general approach of let's try and make the playoffs because i think that was a i think that was one directed by ownership which if that's what the owner wants that's what you're going to have to do and two i don't think it's the worst thing to do with where they were at the core yeah 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 no i'm with you i think uh it's an organizational thing and i'm i'm there obviously have to be changes, but, I, also, but it can just be changes in, in philosophy. Like, I I, I'm think, curious to see what's going to happen. I, I also think that's the thing, though. It's like it's a change in philosophy. It's one of the things I get frustrated as is the idea that, like, the, the Wizards are this broken team. And I'm like, look, uh, the locker room was clearly shattered this year, and that's the result of a lot of those dudes and, and who they are. But there's also, like, to me, there's a fact of, like, very few people I talked to around the league were like, that place is just a mess. Like, the, or, like there are teams that you talk to and you're like, oh, I don't know what's going on in the front office. Like, it's, like, it just seems like it's a miserable place to work. And, like, I never, I have never gotten that sense from right. talking to people around the league. Now, I may be misguided, but, like, I just haven't gotten the sense. No, people are happy there. And part of it is that, like, part of it is that, like, everybody there likes Ted. Mm-hmm. People like Ted, personally. I mean, he, he treats people well and... And everything along those lines. Like, people like Ted. And yep. so when people like the owner, mm-hmm. people like who you work for, you're, you're going to be happier in your job. Yeah. That's just how it works. I mean, people like the, like the people who work there. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's, uh, it's just a question of, of priorities because, obviously, it hasn't, it hasn't worked to this point. And, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily even be putting as much of an emphasis on this as I am if Ted hadn't said it in January. Right. Uh, you know, when you don't meet your goals, you have to reconsider 
why you didn't meet your goals. You have to reconsider you what you're doing. Meet, you didn't meet your goals. It's, it's definitely time for re- to reconsider. Yeah. But that should be this, the summer's entire thing. It's just like a complete reconsideration of what they've done. Exactly. And so uh, anything else before we go? Plug, plug your stuff. Uh, go to actionnetwork.com. And you will find all sorts of awesome stuff. Our app, um, I actually do want to plug our app. Our app is, okay. like, it's faster than the NBA's app. I found that out the other day, that it actually updates the score faster than the NBA's does. Um, it has, like, the fastest. It's faster than, than the TV feed. It's faster than everything. Like, it's a really great way to track sports. Um, you can find my content there. I've got a huge thing up about the Nuggets coming out, which they are ruining by continuing to lose terrible games. Um, I've got a big piece coming out on MVP. I've got probably the best, not the best, I've got the most detailed breakdown you're going to find of the MVP that's going on uh, this season. And that was the sound of my nugget piece breaking into pieces. (laughs) Uh, I say this not because you're right here. Your MVP piece is very important to me every year. And I have a vote, so uh, I will be anxiously awaiting your MVP. Uh, Matt works either as hard or harder than literally everybody else who has our jobs. So read his stuff. Follow him at HP Basketball. If you're a big enough basketball fan where you listen to this podcast, you're you probably already follow him. Or well, maybe you don't have Twitter. And then, you know what? I don't think I need to tell people to follow you. I feel like, I feel like it's a healthier don't experience. Yeah, don't do that. You. Don't do that. Save them. <laughs> I'll save them. Okay, save so them. so, uh, so don't, don't do that. Uh, but subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Give us five stars on iTunes. Leave a nice review. Like a really <laughs> nice review. Um, I will be back Wednesday. They play Chicago. The Otto Porter return. Hey, the Otto Porter return. Otto Porter return. That's on Wednesday. Uh, game of the year. Bulls Wizards. I'll be podcasting after that one. I'll talk to you guys then. Bye.